what's the hardest thing? Because that's the thing I want to do because then I know the barrier to entry is way higher and like a lot less people will do it. You're listening to Take It Personally, a podcast about the personal side of business and the art of standing out. What do Sephora, Lululemon, Teva, and Scrub Daddy have in common? They're all brands absolutely killing it right now on social media. Their best kept secret? Personal branding. These brands aren't acting like big corporations hiding behind logos and color palettes. They're acting like people. They're utilizing influencers, user-generated content, and their own employees to turn their brands into powerful recognition tools that build their own reputation and rapport with customers, resulting in consumer relationships that keep people coming back and choosing their brand over all the rest. Personal branding is the secret sauce your business is missing to allow you to charge higher prices, improve your reputation, and become the personal brand photographer, or insert your profession here, in your area. This is a topic that I'm breaking down every single week in my email newsletter. You don't need to be an influencer to have a social media following that knows, likes, and trusts you. Whether you're a solopreneur, a big corporation, or something in between, personal branding can work for you to help grow your business. Each week, I send out tips and tricks so you can take simple action to grow your personal brand. Interested? Head to maddiepichon.com slash growyourbrand to sign up now. That's maddiepichon.com slash growyourbrand. See you in your inbox. Molly, thank you so much for joining me today on Take It Personally. Yay. I'm excited to be here and chat about online business. Yes, most definitely. So for uh, to, to get us started, if you could just tell everyone who you are and what you do. Yeah. So if you if we haven't done that before, hi, I'm Molly. Nice to meet you. <laughs> And I like to kind of tell the speed dating version because I've been a business owner for going on 17 years now. So I dropped out of college to start my first business, which was photography. And I loved doing that. And within just a few years, I was able to grow that to six figures. And I opened a studio in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and it went really, really well. And I had a lot of other photographers asking me how I did it. And I didn't offer really any way for them to learn from me. Uh, even though my studio was doing so well, I still had that imposter syndrome of like, why would people want to learn from me? You know, (laughs) but like, you know, even if you're just a little bit ahead of someone else, there's always so much that you can teach them. So people were asking me for help. I started to do some coaching and some workshops, but I was so busy with my other business. I was like, there has to be a better way to help all these people and scale my business without trading more of my time for money. So I started a blog in 2013, 14-ish. And then that kind of grew into eBooks, digital products, and then eventually courses. Courses make up like 80% of my revenue uh, year after year. And now I help uh, creative business owners like you to add on digital products for passive income to your business. So cool. Okay, so tell me a little bit about how you got started. You talked about how you had that moment of like, okay, I can't keep trading time for money. Like there has to be something else here, but what kind of made you decide that you wanted to start introducing digital products? And then once you realized that, how did you pick what to do? (laughs) Yeah, there was really two main things that happened in my life that made me do it. 
Um, I mean, there was a lot of things, but two main things. Number one was just the sheer amount of people like pretty much begging me to help them with their photo business. And so I was like, okay, like clearly, you know, I do have something to, to teach and help people with. Uh, the other thing was there were, you know, I was, had my own studio. And so I was purchasing my own digital products for my studio, like learning mm-hmm. about pricing and, and taking courses and, you know, creative live and all that kind of stuff. And I purchased an ebook from another photography educator. It was just an ebook. I think it was only a few pages and it was like $200 and it was a posing guide. And I was so excited to get this. And I mean, $200 when you're, you know, a service business owner, like that's a lot of money, right? You know, especially for a little ebook. And I opened it up and there was literally nothing in it. It was just photos. It didn't tell you like how to do the poses or the lighting or really anything. It was just like, here's the pictures. And my disappointment, because I'm like, I could have just went to this person's website and found these exact same photos. Like, you know, I just didn't feel like it was worth $200. And of course there was, you know, no refunds. I just didn't feel like this person was like, actually really wanted to help people. It seemed like she was just trying to make money. And I just remember that feeling as a purchaser. And I, that's actually what really motivated me. I was like, yeah, I'm sure I've made my own amount of mistakes along the way, but I just remember thinking like, I hope to never have this feeling for my customers. And I want to try to be an educator that actually really cares to help these people. Like obviously making money is great. And I love scaling my business. Um, and it's not a charity and I'm not doing it for free, but I I genuinely really like helping people. And I want to put out products that actually get people a result. And I think that has been the number one driver of my success over the years with, with the digital products. Totally. I I think that that is like the moment for so many entrepreneurs, no matter what like business that they're in is that moment of being like, okay, no, I don't (laughs) like this. I can do this better. Let's see what I can do. Yes. (laughs) Ego can be your friend sometimes. Like I can do this better. (laughs) I love it. So what was your first digital product? So my very first one was like a lighting and posing guide. Um, and I remember I, I didn't use photos I had already taken. Like I went out, I organized a whole photo shoot. I took pictures and showed like every single thing along the way. I put all these details in it. And I mean, would I have created as good of a digital product if I had purchased one and found out what I didn't like? Probably not. So it's actually kind of a blessing that I was like, okay, these are the things I don't like. Now I can go out and create something better. But with that business, I, my education business for photographers, I ended up over the years, I probably had created about a hundred digital products, which is not something that I would recommend. However, it has made me a really great mentor for what I do today, because it's Mm -hmm. like, I have experience with eBooks, memberships, courses, like guides, you know, name any sort of like printables, um, name any digital product. And I've probably done it. (laughs) Yeah, totally. So that's actually a great point. Is there a specific digital product that you really like, or even that you recommend to people who are very new to the digital product world? Yeah. So I think you can start with any digital product. I do think that some are easier to start with than others. So for example, when I created like a printable, I already had this business partnership kit that I was using for my photography business. And so all I had to do was you know, maybe change out the template to be more of like a template and put that online for sale. So that was a lot easier than say, you know, a course where I love online courses. Don't get me wrong. Like I said, they make up the majority of my revenue every year, but they're a lot of work. You know, you have to 
not only record the videos, create the worksheets, the downloads, the group, you know, everything that goes with it, all the setup, the checkout page, the sales page, all of that stuff, but you have to also continue to update it and make sure your students are getting results and review what's happening. What, what is easy for them to learn? Because, you know, when, when it comes to teaching, it's not just how we want to teach something. It's how can our students best learn from us? Mm -hmm. And so it's very rare. I think that you can create a, dig a digital course that doesn't ever need right. like, updates because you're going to learn from your students over time. Like, oh, even though I thought this was the best way to explain it, clearly it's not. So yeah, I would say the easiest digital product to start with would be if you already have a business, let's say you're a graphic designer and maybe you already have created websites for other people and you can templatize those and then mm -hmm. sell them, or you already have a business partner kit. If you can templatize something you already have created, that's going to be the easiest thing. But I do want to end with this. I don't think any type of digital is better to start with than another. I think you just have to think of what is the problem my ideal client is struggling with and what digital product vehicle am I going to use to get them that result and help them solve that problem? Because the money is in solving problems, not just mm. creating a course to create a course or creating a pretty course. It's all about solving problems. That's such a great point. I think so often we get really wrapped up in like, what's the right one? And there's mm. not, there's not a right one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And like, you know, my, I had this ebook, so I've done multiple ebooks and they've all made good money, but I had this one ebook in particular that's done over half a million dollars. And when I exited the photography education space to do what I do now, I also was able to sell the IP of that digital product to another educator. Like that was a really good product. And it was just a 13 page ebook. And all it was, was I took my particular marketing strategy that was working for my business. And I included, you know, the the screenshots, the scripts, the templates, the photos, like every single thing. And then it was just step one, do this, step two, do this. They didn't have to read. They didn't have to take a whole course. They didn't have to do any of that. They just had to follow it step-by-step step, and it worked. And they told their friends and I never had to run ads. And all of that money was pretty much pure profit. And it really comes down to taking the time to really understand your ideal customer and actually creating something that's actually going to get them a result, <laughs> which sounds... Yeah. It sounds so like, it's like, obviously, but, but really, really, you know, are, is it really going to get them results? So, yeah. So talk a little bit about the transition in your business from being a photographer, selling photography education, you know, to other photographers to what you do now. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, the transition from photographer to photography educator, just, I feel like people almost like bullied me into it. <laughs> not, not in like a really bad way, but they, they were just really begging me. Like, I really want coaching. I really want this. Um, yeah. And then over time, I just really learned that, you know, I was a photographer for 16 years and for me, I really like learning. And so it's like, once I felt like I mastered my camera, once I felt like I mastered each of those things, I did find myself noticing that I really liked the business side a lot more than the taking pictures side. And so actually I would say even in 20, I think it was 2017. I knew I wanted to do what I do now. And I actually started like a separate little business um, where I started to kind of teach those things. But I had a mentor tell me like, you really need to focus in. And I think I was at about half a million dollars a year. And because I actually got rid of that business and focused in on my photography education, I, we were able to take it to $2 million a year. Mm -hmm. 
but um, also it just kept nagging at me. I was like, I really want to teach digital products. And so, yeah, that's, that's what I ended up doing. And I ended up closing, um, it was called booty shorts, my education for photographers. And a lot of people ask me like, why didn't you sell it? I sold a lot of the IP, but it's very hard to sell a business when like you're the face of it. And also I taught specifically boudoir photography, which was really like, I talked to basically the, like our top students and said, you know, are any of you interested in buying this? And they weren't, they just love doing what they do. They love the photography. I think it's rare actually. Like most photographers, they really love the photography. Like I was yeah, just sort of like true. the odd, the odd man out where I just loved business. So I feel the same way. And it is interesting <laughs> how like people fall in different camps, but yeah, I think a lot of photographers, they, they, they love the creativity and the artistry. And I love that too, but I really love the business. So it's fun Me to chat too. with you about this. Like yeah. I would rather read or review a sales page, <laughs> which is like, I don't know. I just, I love it. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> okay. So if people are uh, listening and they're like, okay, this, this sounds really exciting. Like I can see that this could be a real benefit to my business to pursue digital products. What's step one? Like what's the first thing that they should be doing if they mm-hmm. want to add digital products and start selling digital products? I would say step one is think about where you're going to grow your following because you have to have people to actually sell your products to. And also when I was a photographer, I already had, you know, an email list and I had a Facebook following and an Instagram following and blah, blah, blah. But those were photography clients. Those aren't going to be the same people that are going to buy my educational materials because I have my students or people that I talk to a lot say like, well, I already have an email list. I already have a following. I'm like, yes, but it's not the following of ideal clients. So when I started booty shorts, the photography education business, I had to start over growing a different following for that business. So this was way back when, and I don't know that I would start it exactly this way again, but like I did, you know, blogging, Facebook group, those types of things. Um, but yeah, you have to think of where, where are you going to grow your following? So today for me, my number one traffic source that I'm focused on is YouTube. I think it's a lot Mm. like blogging, but it's definitely Blogging kind of had its heyday and now it's more about SEO than like the community and the RSS feed and all that. Whereas YouTube is still such a goldmine. Like I think a lot of people think they're behind on YouTube and you're really not. <laughs> like I promise you're really not. And the other thing that I always think of is what's the hardest thing? Because that's the thing I want to do because then I know the barrier to entry is way higher and like a lot less people will do it. So for example, with YouTube, it's like- True. You need to be good at speaking. You need to be good at video. You need to be good at creating scripts and researching and SEO. These are a lot of skills versus, you know, growing a Facebook group or a blog. But if you can go that extra mile, it's going to grow uh, better in the long run. In my opinion, you're going to have less competition because not everyone is going to go that extra mile. I love that. I'm like, okay, note to self, put podcast on YouTube. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I want to share something about that then really quickly. I love YouTube, by the way. Um, YouTube right now, if you have a podcast, you absolutely need to put it on YouTube. They have a separate tab now for podcasting and they're really pushing podcasting. So when you go to upload, they have a special tab and then they also put your podcast on a certain tab as well. Like they're really trying to become like the video Spotify of podcasts. So wow, yeah, I've been hearing for about a year now that, especially with the podcast, it really needs to be on YouTube. And I'm 
I'm so notorious for being like, oh, that's one more thing. However, I think you're right. I think it's still such a goldmine and it's not, it's not too saturated. It's not, you know, people, Mm -hmm. there aren't a ton of people doing it or there's still room, I guess I should say. Yeah. And also, you know, I think you are already recording video, but definitely do that. I've seen people where they just put like a photo on YouTube with audio and it's like, no, like that's (laughs) never going to rank well. You have to actually study YouTube, like YouTube is its own thing. So anyways, if, if, if randomly those of you listening have a podcast that you want to put on YouTube, check out Ali Abdal. I feel like he does that really well where he has separate YouTube channels, one for his podcast. So very cool. Very cool. I had a question and it lost it. I lost it for a second. I'm going to come back to it. Uh, oh, so your strategy on a platform like YouTube, are you essentially creating content and then kind of teeing up and pitching the digital products that you have? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. I've never been asked this question. I love it. Seriously. Like, I don't know. YouTube just makes me so excited. So what I do with YouTube is it's actually like a really huge strategy. Like it, it's a lot. To I believe explain, it. I'll try to, I'll try to dial it down. Basically what I try to do is I know what my niche is. So my niche is helping people create digital products for passive income. Okay. So right now I have four like pillars of content. One is five digital products that blank. The other one is build passive income with blank. And you can go to my YouTube and and see these. My other is about AI and my fourth bucket uh, or pillar, whatever you want to call it is um, tutorial videos. Now, what I've noticed is tutorials get you a lot of watch hours because people will seek those out and search them. And then it's a really long video because it's, it's right. a tutorial. Um, and for those that aren't familiar with YouTube, you want watch hours so you can become monetized and you also get paid on watch time and things like that. But how I came up with the other pillars were based on popularity. So people that don't have digital products, they might want to know five digital products that blank, like five digital products that are good for passive income or five digital products you can start for free or five digital products, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then build passive income. That's another really popular topic that people want to learn about. Um, and then the AI, that's pretty obvious. Like that's a really popular one right yeah. now. So that's kind of what I do with that. And how do I promote my products? I don't do any promotion per se in my video. So what I do is I have a list of freebies in the description below my video. And so in my video, some of them, I will do a call to action. Some of them I don't, but I only ever promote freebies, um, actually in all of my social media content, my entire strategy is just get people to download a freebie to get onto my email list Mm. that I nurture them with content. And then I will do an auto promotion or a launch or something like that. Amazing. Okay. I love this. Um, talk to me then if like, cause this is, uh, this is a big strategy that you have around creating content what's, what do you do or what's your feeling on things like ads? Cause I know like, mm. I always have people ask me about ads. I don't yeah. do a whole lot with ads. Tell me what you, what your thoughts are. I love this question. I have been the ads queen at one point in my life. So, well, I should say my husband is the ads King. <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually, that. I have personally never so much as maybe logged into the ads manager. It's always <laughs> been something that I've either outsourced or So I think it was also 2017, I convinced my husband to leave his job and and work in the business. Now we we co-own this business together now. 
and he learned ads. And I said, if you can learn ads, this is going to be like one of the best skills you could ever learn. And it definitely was. And that's when we, I said, we had a hundred digital products. My mentor told me to go down to one. We retired all of our products, started a brand new product. We went zero to $2 million a year in two years, uh, mostly with paid advertising, but hear me out. This was from 2017 to like before, I think 2019, something like that before COVID. And here's what I will tell you. I'm very opinionated about ads right now. (laughs) I think ads are great, but you absolutely have to, have to, have to, like, I will like, I will fight someone over this. You have to grow an organic audience. You absolutely Mm -hmm. have to like, I mean, you don't, I guess you don't have to do anything, but like learn from my mistakes. You will pay so much money for your ads that you will have pretty much no profit margin. You need to have a a good organic base. What I've learned from friends and competitors in the space that have really great profit margins, they have a massive organic following that they are using retargeting ads. It Mm. used to be 2017, 18, 19, you could do cold traffic to a sale make lots of money, scale it up. It is no longer like that. And I will show you the proof. Number one, Facebook has laid off over 13,000 people based on the downfall of their ads platform. You could research that online. Um, Their stock is going down. A lot of people have shifted to running ads on YouTube, which also means organic YouTube creators are now making more money because you get 50% of the profits that people are paying to run the ads on your videos. So So here, here's what I think given 2023 right now, I think if you have nothing, you need to start your organic audience yesterday. And I think, um, you can only ever use ads as a fuel to an already burning fire. So if you don't already have a funnel that converts, if you don't already have something selling, throwing ads money at it, I can almost guarantee you, you are just throwing money down the toilet. (laughs) Um, and I've done it before I've, I've done it where I think, oh, we did this in 2017. Let's do this again now. It does not work the same as it used to. But right now for me, I'm actually running zero ads right now. I am just focused on organic. And eventually uh, we probably will run retargeting ads. Unless something really changes, I'm not sure we're ever going to go back to cold traffic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even though our revenue is lower than it used to be, our profit is actually higher. Mm -hmm. And Profit is way more important than revenue. Totally. I could go on on about that, but I think that's probably good about ads. (laughs) I love this conversation. I feel like there are so many, every time you say something, I'm like, well, I have 10 more questions and I got to rein it in. So so what, when you're talking about growing an organic audience, do you have um, a platform that you really like to do that on? Like, are you an Instagram girl? Are you really focused on growing your email list? Is it a combo? What does that look like? Yeah. So my number one platform is YouTube. And then I just basically what happens, what's happening right now is I'm getting email opt-ins every single day, multiple people a day to my email list. And, you know, I am on Instagram and I know Instagram's like the number one sexy thing. And like, I would say, I feel like I'm pretty darn good at social media. Like I can learn a platform. I can do it pretty well. I've been doing it for a very long time. And Instagram just does not produce the amount of leads that other platforms like YouTube do. I personally see Instagram as more of a nurturing and selling tool versus, Mm -hmm. but I have seen, I have seen people grow on Instagram. Also for me personally, I just don't, I don't enjoy making reels as much as I enjoy making YouTube videos. I do the reels. I do them, but 
I don't know. I, I, I don't wake up with a passion for creating reels personally. <laughs> and honestly, thank you for saying that, because I think that that is such an, like, that is such a big piece to this that nobody is really talking about. Like it's perfectly fine. And obviously your answer has more nuance, but I think it's perfectly fine for the answer to be, I don't do that platform because it doesn't bring me joy. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah absolutely. You definitely need to pick a platform you like, or you will never do it. Um, yep. I really like TikTok and I was really big on TikTok for a while. I have noticed that I think their reach has gone down. It could just be me, but that's personally what I've seen. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me right now, like, I just know that when I put all of my time into one thing, it's always going to pay off a lot more. So I'm just repurposing clips from my YouTube videos onto TikTok and Instagram. And then I do do some reels. Um, I've been playing around with where having people comment and then using many chat to subscribe people to my email list. Mm -hmm. And it, it has been going very well, but it's something that I just started a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, I'm very big on focusing on one thing. I think it's definitely a death sentence to try to be on every single platform, yeah. especially in the beginning. Like you have to start with one and pick one that you enjoy, like truly, because otherwise you're never going to do it. Absolutely. Okay. I want to circle back to digital products before we say goodbye. And what I would love to hear from you is when you're first getting started with digital products, let's say you're in a place where, uh, someone is listening and they're like, okay, I really, I do want to do a course. Like I know it's going to take a little bit more time. I know it's going to be more cumbersome, but I've got this great idea and I want to do it. What are some ways that someone can start pursuing having a course in their business? without spending, you know, a year, whatever it might be creating all the content before they even launch it. Love this question. Cause I am a huge fan of actually not creating your course before you sell people in. And oh my gosh, I get people all the time. They're like, but that's a scam. You can't sell something that doesn't exist. What's a workshop, <laughs> right? A workshop is selling something that doesn't exist yet. It has not happened yet. So pre-selling a course is simply a virtual workshop at first, in my opinion. So what I would recommend to someone who is like, has absolutely nothing. And they want to start a course. Number one, can a course be your first digital product? Absolutely. Um, but again, you need a following. So I recommend 500. I think you could have less, but I think around 500 email subscribers minimum before you launch your course is a really great place to be because typically and you can convert higher than this. I've converted five to 10, but typically one to 2% of your email mm -hmm. list is going to convert. So if you think about it, it would be like five to 10 people. So if you're like, well, I don't want to do a launch for five to 10 sales, then you got to grow your email list more. But what I recommend doing is, you know, so grow your email list and then think about like, who is your ideal client? I'm assuming you would know that before you grow your email list, you know, and what's the number one problem that you can solve. And it's so important to solve that hard problem for people because it's going to be a no-brainer for them to give you money for this course if it's going to solve a hard problem that they need solving. And what you're going to do is just the na name the course, price the course, create the offer for the course, and pick the dates that you're going to do the course live. So what I recommend doing is you can do it in a Facebook group or over Zoom. Let's say you come up with your course is going to be six modules. You could teach one module a week for six weeks, and then you could sell people in without ever having built it. So you sell people in, you put them in either the Facebook group or send them emails with the zoom link and you go live once a week for six weeks, you teach the course. Boom. Now your course is the first draft of your course is created. You're going to have testimonials. Here's the best part too. You're going to be working directly with these people. So 
I see so many people and so many other educators saying to build your course first. And first of all, I know for a fact, like they're just telling you what you want to hear because creating the course sounds so fun, but it kills me inside when people come to me and they're like, I built this course. I spent a year on this course. I've never made one sale. Yeah. And then they're like, I just, they think they just need some magic pill to start selling. And I hate to tell them it's like the foundations are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and so you might've wasted that time creating that course. And I don't want that to happen for you. So again, pre-selling is the best because worst case scenario, no one buys, you tweak your offer until people start to buy mm-hmm. versus you make the entire course. And now you've wasted, you know, a month or even a year So again, pre-sell with just based on the offer and the live dates and the result that you're going to get them. And when you're teaching it live, you are actually getting feedback from these students. They're going, wait, Molly, what about this? Or do you have a worksheet for this or a download for this? They're helping you build your course. If you just make your course before you sell anyone in, you're just making a course for yourself, which is not going to make you money. You need to make a course to help those people, not to help you. Yeah. I am the type of person who I have a really hard time doing things when it's not live. Like I, I can, you mm-hmm. know, show up on a live call or, you know, but if, if it's something where I have to, you know, create a bunch of content ahead of time, it's just really challenging for me to do that. Yeah. And so, uh, selling pre-selling a course is essentially what I've been doing with my group program rebrand. And there is a coaching element to it. Um, but my goal is to one day, hopefully sooner than later, have it be a course that I can sell more passively. But right now I'm doing it live and I'm learning so much and I'm mm-hmm. getting paid to learn. Yes. And you're going to be creating a much better program because if you create a program, even if you do sell people in, if you don't get those people results, it's going to be an uphill, exhausting battle for your business to continue to sell that product because yeah whether they get a result or they don't, they're going to tell all of their friends. <laughs> yep. So you need to get your customers a great result. It's kind of like with my ebook, I did pretty much no, I mean, I did email marketing to my list. I didn't do any ads, nothing. Half a million dollars from a 13 page PDF still blows my mind. It's just like, yeah. what? <laughs> like, I, I mean, I wish I could go tell past Molly, like go more all in on that. Um, and also I, I do want to say about the ebook too. The students that bought my courses, almost, I think it was 70 to 80% of them had purchased that ebook first um, because it was only 59 to $99. And so they were able to dip their toes in and go, wow, I'm actually going to get a, like, I actually got a result from this. If this was only this much money, I can't imagine what Molly's a thousand or $2,000 course is going to be. So keep in mind, you know, if you have a product that's lower that people can like test it out and see, and and remember that you have to actually get them a result Mm -hmm. because if you don't, then they're not going to buy your more expensive thing. But yeah. I love that. Oh, so good, Molly. This has been (laughs) such a wonderful conversation. You're going to have to come back on and we're going to have to talk about going viral on TikTok and all of these things. (laughs) I would love to. Thank you so much for being here today. Tell everyone where they can find you. I think we kind of already know the answer to that, but tell them anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me. Um, so yeah, I would love to connect with you online. My website is freedomcreator.co and I have a ton of freebies on there, like Canva ebook templates, free. Uh, funnel templates to build your email list and sell your ebook, free. Uh, tons of good stuff on there. And then I am on YouTube and Instagram. It's just my name, Molly Kaiser. And I did get the blue check, you know, what's up? So you can know <laughs> love it. me. <laughs> awesome. 
Thank you so much, Polly. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Take It Personally. If you're a regular listener, you might already know that some of the best conversations actually happen after the show. Head over to Facebook and search Take It Personally podcast to join our private Facebook group and join the conversation. We'll also put the link in the show notes. And if you haven't already, would you head over to iTunes and leave us a review? This is the best way to let other people know about the show and help us to keep creating content you love. You can also head to takeitpersonallypodcast.com for all the show notes from today's episode and past episodes. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.